0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 455 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Seth, Fred Olive, and we have a small crew this week. Cram couldn't be here. He's out traveling doing some stuff, but we are joined by the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How are you this fine Monday, Richard?
1: Good morning, Seth. Excited to talk about the uh, the big
0: news or maybe the big non-news. <laughs> yeah, we, we had a couple of big announcements today. So uh, our topics for today, there's really two big ones. So we had a be in our announcement. We're going to talk about that. We also had a Big change to the way magic is actually being sold. A brand new type of booster pack, some old products going away, and then maybe some other smaller topics in Fishmail. But those are the two big ones new boosters and also BNR. Before we get into it though, a reminder that today's show is brought to you by Card Conduit, and Card Conduit's the easiest way to sell your magic cards. And if you ever get all tired of all the hassles that go into buy listing your cards, Card Conduit lets you skip them. You can use their curated service and send in as many cards as you want with a buy list value of a dollar or more and pages. just A 5% service fee. And if you want to do a bit of work, you can use a sorted service where you list and sort your cards ahead of time and pay just a 2% fee. Either way, you're gonna get a detailed report with the results and a fast payment once your order is processed. And you can even get another 10% off by heading over to cardconduit.com/slash mtdgoldfish. Cardconduit, they're the easiest way to sell your magic cards. So Thank you to Card Conduit for supporting the show, and let's talk some magic, and let's start with one of our two big pieces of news, uh, which is today Wizards announced some big changes to booster packs, Richard. Uh, what uh, What is the TLDR of this change, and then we can dig into the details and what it actually means.
1: All right, TLDR. Draft boosters and set boosters are being replaced by play boosters. And this is starting off with, I want to say murders at Karloff Manor. So yep. a couple sets down the line. Uh so what exactly are play boosters? Play boosters are one to six. So slots one to six are common. So six commons, one the list, uh, three uncommons, one rare/slash mythic, one basic, one non-foil wild card, one foil wild card, and an ad card. Uh so this is like the split between draft boosters and set boosters. And you will be expected to draft with these going forward. Uh, Wizards has this giant article on their website that explains in detail what this is. But I I guess the most prominent uh, changes will be from draft, right? Because drafters are, are, you know, who are scared about this change. So you potentially go up to four rares or mythics compared to a draft booster. You get one less playable card because there's 14 instead of 15. You get three less commons, you get one non-full wild card, you get one additional traditional wild card, and a 1 in 8 opportunity of getting a card from the list. Uh, The list has also been changed from like this 300-card monstrosity to this curated 40-card list, 10 of which are special guest cards, which we saw from Ixalan. Those will have new art. And then the 30 remaining cards will have uh, reprint art.
0: Also worth mentioning that uh this is essentially, uh, so, okay, this is basically set boosters. If you're familiar with set boosters, if you just look at this breakdown that Richard was going over, the wild card slots and so forth, very, very similar. But set boosters were not designed for limited. All of these slots now, according to Wizards, are being designed with limited in mind so like the list is going to be draft legal now when before it wasn't based on what people were saying uh, so they're going to actually like curate the list based on the fact that it's going to be legal and limited. The wild card slots also contain booster fun cards so you can get the random variants but they're going to remove like one of the slots in set boosters in the past was like a commander precon card where one of the cards from the commander precons would show up in there in the wild card slots. They're getting rid of stuff like that with a focus on limited so the easiest way to i think think about this is like draft and set boosters go away they're replaced by set boosters but wizards is or play boosters which are essentially set boosters but now designed with limited in mind for the first time is this a good change overall, Richard? What's just your gut reaction? Like, we've had draft... Well, they weren't always called draft boosters. For most of Magic's life, they were just boosters, and there was one type of booster, and it was, like, just a booster pack, and you use them for everything. Then we went up to three with draft, set, and collector. Now they're getting rid of draft and set and replacing them with this, like, draftable set booster called play booster. Positive overall? Eh.
1: <laughs> so Okay, so, so Wizards is, like, so adamant about not affecting Limited... I call b s on that. So they they are going to try their darndest to keep limited working. so they they mention explicit things, like, for example, because you can get more rares and more mythics, people might be afraid that the format is more balmy. So they said they're gonna put in more answers at common and uncommon. right? <laughs> so they they're you know they're they're going to adjust for this. but the the whole reason they're doing this is because nobody bought draft boosters everyone bought set boosters and this product fragmentization was affecting the stores and the player base, but they couldn't ditch the draft booster because, you know, there is some small minority of people that still want to play limited. So this is their compromise. But if there is a design choice between making pack openings more fun versus keeping limited going, like I am 99.9% sure they will always side with the pack opening fun. So this is like a, you know an acknowledgement that limited exists but is not that important because like the other stance they could have taken was like limited is the most important thing to magic the gathering draft boosters 2.0 here they are but these are really like set boosters 2.0 right so i don't know like they have to do this like have you watched like other card games they just have one booster pack and opening them is very exciting right now you're like I can't afford collector boosters, so I'll I'll open budget collector boosters, which are set (laughs) boosters, or even draft boosters. Like the the, whatever arguments they had for set versus draft, will now you you have that argument for play versus collector. Like I wish they just kind of condensed it all into one. And rather than buying like this 504 dollars four-pack booster box. Like, your, your answer was always, like if I wanted $500, I would just buy, like, four booster boxes of this set and, like, start cracking them. Because, I don't know, I think quantity over quality actually matters here. <laughs> like, the, the the thrill of opening lots of packs, I think, matters. So
0: I mean, this is a step towards less booster types. It doesn't get rid of collector boosters. Like, those Three will still two, be there. Right? But we yeah. we have minimized a little bit. So, in that sense, it seems like a step in the right direction. I think it is true that people just... Stopped opening draft boosters like Wizards talked about that in their articles and everything, but that actually matches up with what I've seen. Like if you're just going to crack a pack. There's not really a reason to open a draft booster. Like you only really get those if you're going to draft or play limited with them. So I think it is true that like draft boosters were their importance was minimized because all they're really used for is limited. How popular limited events even are at this point is like uh, up for debate. I guess like I'm really not sure at your local game store is draft events like a regular thing or is everyone just playing commander? What do you think about limited? Like that's uh, I think there's two big concerns that I've heard from people and that I've had with these. One is. What is this due to limited? And two is the price, but we'll get to that in a minute. Do you think this Rex limited, Richard? So on what, when I first heard this, my initial reaction was, it sounds fun for draft. I like high power draft formats. I like the idea that there's going to be more rares in the draft pool. But then I've heard people who play a lot of limited and they're like, I would rather have all common packs that would make limited even better if like there were no rare bombs in these packs. So the hardcore limited players are a little concerned about the possibility of there just being so many rares in the draft pool and the wild card slots and the list like someone's going to open a mana crypt on the list and the list is draft legal now. So you're going to have to play against someone who just high rolled into like this unbeatable most broken card of all time. Is this a positive or a negative for limited do you think?
1: I think overall it'll be negative. Like, I, like so, wizards' justification for stuff like this is always like, "Wow, well, you know, when someone opens that point zero 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 one percent chance of a mana crypt in whatever the special uh, masterpiece thing is for the set, yeah, you get screwed." But that's so small percentage, don't worry about it. Like, I, I get that small percentage, but over time, you just it just happens to you, and it, it feels bad. So, I I think I actually agree with. Um, the drafters, and like if everything was just common and uncommon, it'd be a nice, cleaner draft environment. And you know, wizards will try their hardest, but you know where you put all the secret layer universes beyond stuff you need to reprint into normal magic? You put them into the list. These cards are designed for Commander. These cards will show up in your play boosters now, right? Like they're, they're it will happen, right? Like they will put exciting cards into the list. Uh, the wild cards, the booster fund, all that will be exciting cards. And in 2023, that means commander. So they will try their hardest to balance it. But I guarantee you, it's the same size balance team of like half an intern trying to balance <laughs> limited. And they're like, don't worry, we just changed everything you do about cracking packs for the last 10 years. I have faith in you, go balance it, right? Like I, I feel it's one of those situations, right? That I, I, You know, it's not like, don't worry, we have a whole team. You know, resorting to this, we, we've split off the play design and stuff. Like, I don't think so. I think the same people will continue to bounce limited with this in mind and they will try their hardest and it will probably be rough for a while, but hopefully they get there. Uh, but like the past five years or whatever, Wizards has made like the best limited they've ever made. It's true. Like it's actually one of the things that's peaking. Like everything else is questionable, uh, but limited is actually popping off nobody plays it though right like (laughs) but it is like the best thing they've done and limited i in my opinion is the best way to play magic the gathering my question for you seth is what if we just say screw this limited is digital only let's make let's make packs solely for the you know the pack cracking people and we'll, we'll we'll do the perfect limited pack on magic arena and those people can open it there
0: Oh, that would be interesting. Although like Wizards has been pretty upfront that they feel like they need paper and arena to be the same. So I think like they announced are also bringing the play boosters to arena. So it'd be a pretty radical change, right? If they were just like, all right, let's forget paper limited altogether. I don't know, how big of an impact would that have? We saw like, they did that big draft open, was it in Vegas or at one of the recent events and it sold out and everyone's really hyped. So we know there's some amount of interest in paper limited. I'm really curious what it's like on the LGS level. There's also like pre-releases. I think those are like still a meaningful part of like paper magic. So it's hard for me to imagine dropping paper limited as a whole. But I do see what you're saying. Like, it would make sense to have a, like, very limited focused format. But at the same time, like, you just said Wizards has been doing a really good job with Limited. And I would agree with that. I think this has been, like, a really nice run of Limited the last four years or so. Does that give you more faith? That this will work out for the best. Is there a chance that Wizards is just like so good at designing limited now, and they cracked it, and they know how to make good limited formats that they can throw in wild card slots and the list slots, and the format's still going to be a banger just because they they finally have figured out how to make it consistently great.
1: We hope so, but I, I, like the the root cause is not really the pack adjusting, right? The the root cause is something along the lines of like. Commander players and cracking packs and universes beyond and, you know, getting the magic versions of cards and things like that. And and that's the tension that takes away from limited. And we we saw the tension with standard and, you know, you know who won that one, right? Like every card is legendary. Like there is no coherency for standard because we got to jam in like all these commander cards. I, I feel that tension will apply to limited. And this is just one of the things, right? Like this is a change not for limited gameplay. This is a change for cracking packs, and they're gonna try their best not to affect limited.
0: Yeah, hopefully limited does not get destroyed as they improve the the pack opening process. This does destroy sealed, right? Like, is sealed just a dead format now? Because my gut gut reaction is like, okay, so in draft, if you open extra rares, that's kind of cool because they're going to get passed around the table and it will sort of be self-regulating. Like, you only get one pick out of your pack. So if you open the god pack of four rares hitting all the wild card slots, you get one, the next person gets one, the next person gets one. In sealed, you could, in theory, have a (laughs) – go to your pre-release, you open six rares in your six packs and play an opponent who opened 20 rares in their six packs. Isn't that just like a – like, oh, that's so brutal. Like see is already so high variance. If you open a bad pool, this seems like it's going to make God pools versus bad pools much more common because there's just going to be this imbalance in the number of rares and mythics that people have. You get six. Someone has 10. Someone else has 20. Like, how does the person with six actually compete with a person who got three times as many rares in their pool? Like, aren't you just screwed right from the start of the event?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's, I don't know, I think it's roughly the same as... So, in the in the draft example, if you open a pack and you get your first pick of four rares, right? And the four people in that, you know, sitting beside each other, both get a double rare. Like, yeah, that's that's OP, right? But with draft, you have the ability to smooth out your deck through draft choices. And and, and sealed, you don't. Uh, and, and this has always been the case. So, um, I don't think it's dramatically worse. I don't know, we'll see. Maybe I'll sit down... At my pre-release and get destroyed by someone with twenty rares, but like at the same time, what if someone opens like twenty commander cards and they have nothing to play with, right? Or they're all in like five C, right? Like, I don't know. There's like so much variance here. I I don't know that this is specifically worse for sealed. I don't think it kills sealed, but maybe sealed is slightly worse because of it because you can't smooth out the variance, but. Like, when, when do you ever play Sealed? Pre-release, right? Like, yeah. that's the
0: only time? I kind of hate Sealed. So I if I have a choice, I'm always going to draft anyway. I, feel I like- actually
1: like Sealed because you don't have to read the cards. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no time pressure. Like, when you're drafting, and you're like... Hold
1: on, people. Let me read like the fifteen cards here and the, the back side. At least sealed. You have all the time in the world to read without getting that pressure. That's
0: that's that is a fair point. Yeah, I just I, I hate the like opening a bad pool of sealed where you just feel like oh you open it up and you get like four like three rare lands and a couple of janky rares and you're like oh, God why do I even why do I even try I'm just done already. What do you think about so the other big question about this is the cost. So wizards has announced these new boosters. They're going to be set booster prices. Uh, so the way the market had been heading into this, normally draft boosters, 36 packs for around 100 bucks is kind of like the average set boosters, 30 packs for around 120 bucks. Probably, let's say 150 would be a, a reasonable guess, because these are going to be 36-pack boxes sold at set booster prices. So let's assume these new play boosters, probably roughly 150 would be a, a fair guess, I think. That's a price increase, right? Like, uh, there's no option to buy draft boosters. I don't know how many people were actually doing that, but there is no cheap option now. Like, if you want a magic box, your options are going to be, Roughly one hundred and fifty-ish play booster box, or two hundred something, three hundred something collector booster box. Is there a concern that this is making the game more expensive?
1: So, as a drafter, yes. Okay, so as a drafter, you would in the past buy uh, three draft boosters. Now you have to buy three set boosters, and that's more expensive. And the exact price um, is like what Seth said. It's like roughly like twenty percent. As a collector, it theoretically doesn't matter if you buy enough products because the price per product is the same. You just got to buy more. Like, the minimum order quantity was, I guess, 30 packs before. Now it's 36 packs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Actually, wait. Set boosters were slightly more expensive than draft boosters. And they're not not an option either. Yeah, those are... Yeah. yeah. I mean, so... I, I guess this matters if you're buying packs. But it's like a small... Is it a small amount? So in absolute terms... Basically, you have to buy set boosters now. You have to buy $150 worth versus $120...
0: And you have to spend that extra $30. But you could have spent
1: $100 in draft boosters. So it could be a meaningful 50% increase if you were a boxcracker.
0: Although, as Wizards actually mentioned in their article... Because there's these multiple rare slots now, because of the wild card slots and the list slot, in theory, you're gonna get more rares when you open a box. So, I think wizards would argue that this actually makes it cheaper overall when you consider the number of rares you're getting versus the price that you're paying. Did you buy that argument, Richard? It was actually like very financy for wizards, who tends to stay very far away from anything like finance related secondary market. But it was actually like pretty financy. Do you do you buy it though?
1: I I think I actually buy it, but it doesn't apply. So it's something like this. It's like your EV remains the same, but you can no longer buy a cheaper product. So for example, let's say a collector booster is EV neutral, right? And a draft booster is EV neutral. One costs like $80 to $100, 100 to like $120 for a box. One costs like $300, even though you theoretically get the same EV ratio from both of them like you just there's just more cost of the collector booster so i feel like that's the way to look at it with these new play boosters like theoretically (laughs) you get just as much value but in reality people don't sell back all their cards and there's like you know the the vendor cost and all that stuff right and then just the absolute uh floor so like for example here's a concrete example every christmas your grandma gives you a hundred dollars to buy your Christmas gift and you can buy a draft booster box. In 2024, you cannot buy a booster box of magic with hundred dollars anymore. You need 150. So grandma can't gift you
0: Magic the Gathering, like roughly something like that, right? You just gotta explain inflation to, uh, to grandma before she gives you the gift, yeah. Grandma, you gotta get me four gift boxes. You gotta I mean, wait for
1: the Amazon Prime deal and wait to get
0: Aftermath boxes, okay? So basically what you're saying is the EV is the same, which I think I would agree with. But it's basically like penny slots versus the high roller slots. Like you have to have the high roller money or maybe that's a little extreme because collector boosters are the high roller product. But essentially you're going to have to be willing to put more in or risk more to buy a box at all with this new system because there's not an option to pay the penny slots anymore, essentially.
1: Well, an, an EV is a false argument because no one sells their magic cards. Yeah. By no one, I mean like 90% of the people, right? Like everyone just like says, oh, I got good value. It just holds them. Like people are not actually selling them back to like break even or anything. So this is like the the false number. It's kind of like like slots, right? Like the the EV of slots or something is like 95% or something, right? Like you only lose 5% given enough sample size, but no one... (laughs) spends enough money to hit the sample size needed to smooth that variance out for slots like like Seth you only lose five percent every time you go to Vegas oh no no. I lose I
0: I lose all my gambling budget every time I go to Vegas it's
1: made up by that one person that opens the one-on-one serialized ring Right, like you need enough to smooth that so I feel like EV is like the cheaty way to justify your spending for Magic the Gathering like no one actually sells anything (laughs) back and no one opens enough product to smooth the variance anyway so yeah. yeah it's it's okay we all just close our eyes and say it's fine to buy the new <laughs> booster set
0: <laughs> is this all upside for arena that was the one thing that really got me excited is so this will impact arena in theory this should make arena cheaper right because your average draft is going to have more rares and mythics in it so that's actually like technically a price decrease you do have to be one of those people who play limited and then also play constructed. If you're just a drafter, it doesn't matter if you're just a constructed player, not drafting, but in theory, they're keeping prices the same, but there's more rares and mythics per draft. So like limited got more valuable on arena because of this. They did announce a packed price increase. Did they Seth? no, they actually, they actually (laughs) said on arena, they're keeping the price the same. So drafts will be the same price, but they will use the new boosters.
1: Yeah. So the, the paper prices increased. Arena prices decreased and the packs got more or remained the same and the packs got more valuable so this is an
0: effective economy boost for arena players. I have one other question for you Richard. So one of the quirks of this is there's one less card per pack. 14 cards and then I guess the ad card makes 15 but it used to be 15 cards plus the ad card. So one less card per pack. Is this just a way to make more money? I heard this podcast recently (laughs) and it talked about no, like, okay, I talked about American (laughs) Airlines and American Airlines realized that if they took a single olive out of the drinks of their first class customers, they would save tens of thousands of dollars a year. So they took away one olive and now they're, you know, doing great. Is that what this is? Is this like one like (laughs) over the course of billions of packs that one less piece of cardboard per pack actually is going to like make Watsi a ton more money? I think so. Yes, but
1: like as magic players, how much bulk do you have? How <laughs> many commons do you have that need to be yeah. thrown away? Either you you're you're cold-hearted, you just throw them in the garbage, or you're like, oh, I'll keep them one day in case they <laughs> spike, and you're like running a literal magic warehouse yeah. in your garage. Yep, like yep, there is that so guy. much garbage, <laughs> like. You would just get rid of commons altogether, if not for limited, right? Like, you would have, like, three commons per pack or something. I I don't know. Like, we have way too many commons. So, while, yes, they do save money, they also save, like, the environment. And I think most players would be happy to get rid of their, like, bulk, bulk commons, like, all over the place, right? So, I think this makes sense. I'm surprised it didn't go harder. Like, I guess you need critical mass of commons to make limited work, but I don't want to... I don't know. I have so many cards, and I have to throw them out, and I feel bad. And you're like, well, you going to go donate them or something, right? But I'm like, I'm talking to vendors. They're also trying to get rid of their commons. Like, there's too many, right? <laughs> there's not enough schools with magic programs to donate them to, right? Like, you, there's just so much undesirable, unplayable commons that cutting down on them, you know, from the get-go, I think, makes sense.
0: I I will say... Uh, if you're looking for a place to donate your cards, there was a there's a, a place called Magic Kids now. I I talked to them a bit in Vegas, and it's actually a, a legit charity, like a 5013 charity where you can just donate your cards. And it's actually a tax deduction. So you can send in all those cards that you don't need. And then they send them to, like, school programs that are teaching kids magic, magic clubs at schools. So if uh check out Magic Kids if you're if you're in that situation. I'm actually going to package up some bulk, I but think, and send it to you gotta
1: pay to send to them though you do
0: have to pay the shipping like the shipping is on you but in theory you'll get a tax break if that's something that they need a
1: deal with goodwill or something right so where you can just just drop them off and Mm. i can
0: drop off my like 80
1: pounds of bulk or whatever (laughs) like i don't i don't want to ship bulk across the country right like so if they could partner with goodwill that'd be amazing Then you can just go to goodwill drop all your stuff and then it would go to a nice home so that'd be cool
0: uh, any other any other thoughts on boosters before we move into our other topics? Uh, final, what's the final word, Richard? Does this impact your love of magic in any meaningful way? Is it a even a change that matters? Like, eh.
1: We're high rollers, Seth. We crack collector boosters or bust. (laughs) So it doesn't matter, right? (laughs) It doesn't 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 matter to us.
0: (laughs) I mean, at least they didn't turn draft boosters into collector boosters. That would be the full-on greed mode. Like, you have to pay $30 a pack now if you would like to do drafting. I mean, I, I like a lot of aspects of this change. I like that it simplifies things. Three booster packs is kind of excessive. I'm personally excited for what it'll do to limited. I like high powered formats, So I think the idea of having more rares is cool. But I'm also someone who drafts infrequently. If I was someone who was a full time limited player, I probably would feel differently about it based on the feedback I've heard. The price thing does give me a bit of pause. But overall, I would say I think this is a positive change. I think the good outweighs the bad. Sure, there's some bad in there. But I think overall, the, the good outweighs the bad with this one.
1: It's, it's in not- line with what WotC
0: would do. It basically pulled up. The
1: pack prices i wouldn't like it seen the other way like here's a new play booster it's like half the price of a draft booster and like they somehow made the cards cheaper like i, yeah. I don't know what it'd be like draft versions of cards or, or something like that to make draft more oh what what if you just made popper packs for draft and that was actually what the draft format was Uh but like some way to like pull the price down yeah, uh, because you have collector boosters on the other end, but they're basically pulling the price up towards the collector booster side.
0: So yeah, it, it cuts up out the want. bottom end. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, we got another piece of big news today. Well, maybe not as big a news as I was hoping it would be, but we got a our announcement. We uh, this is our first of the. I don't even know how to conceptualize these ours anymore. These are the six weeks after a set release. Initially, they were called emergency BNR announcements, but Wizards has kind of like backed off that phrasing. I don't know what to think of them Richard. what what did we actually get in this BNR? Crickets. Nothing. We got an ad for play boosters. <laughs> an ad for play boosters. <laughs> there, there's no
1: changes in any format, not even not even some like arena format you don't care about. nothing. Uh, people were expecting big things out of modern nothing.
0: Uh, Pioneer, nothing. Standard, <laughs> nothing. So we did get arena changes that we'll talk about later. Earlier, a few days ago, with some rebalancings, uh, but no no changes today. I was so I didn't know what to think because of the whole messaging about emergency man announcements once per year, and then them kind of like saying, "Oh, well, we'll actually use these windows more for older formats." I had no idea where my expectation should be with uh, this should just be the I expect no changes every time because it's for the most egregious emergencies. Should I expect changes to older formats because they kind of hinted at using this for older formats? The end result is, I think, for me, disappointing. Honestly, like, I think standards fine right now, like. It's not the greatest standard of all time or anything, but standard, I think, is actually in a in a reasonable place. So I wasn't actually hoping or expecting for any changes in standard. Yes, Shielder, it's still in like 40% of decks, but that's actually down from closer to 60% of decks. So it's actually trending in the right direction. And the meta is like relatively diverse. Right now we have Azuri Soldiers as the number one deck at the meta. Mono Red is number two. So like standard is fine. Modern and also Pioneer. Have you played Modern at all recently, Richard? So this past two weeks, I've
1: been part of the modern subreddit and I, w- I, w- I, w- I was huffing the <laughs> the copium with everyone else. Everyone was so convinced that there were changes. and I don't even know why. Is this the last BNR before a modern pro tour or something? Because everyone was so convinced there'd be modern changes coming.
0: what What did the subreddit actually? What was the expectation? If you were gonna sum up what most people thought like, what what were people expecting or hoping? So scam would be hit somehow. And
1: I, I think most people would say fury is the card to hit., uh, but it's it's the police deck of the format, which is fine, but it's like a terrible play pattern to play against. Like turn one, your hand is gone. okay. Right? And then the the Fury line like basically is like Ren and Six on steroids. Like You cannot play any small creatures in any quantity in the format, period, forever. Done. Uh, so, yeah, Scam is the boogeyman. People are expecting something to happen with Scam. Uh, up the Beanstalk murmurings.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't know
1: if you can follow this, but apparently up the Beanstalk, people figured out ways of just not putting it into Omnath and like to use it in other decks. And mm-hmm. people, there's a lot of rumblings about up the beanstalk. Uh, but the fear was once scam gets hit, up the beanstalk would be free. But good good news, nothing got hit. So yeah. <laughs> so we're here. Yeah. But people really expected
0: changes. People are not happy with modern. Um, I, I mean, I I'm I'm right there with them. I, I I still boy, I give Modern a shot and I play it and I get some videos coming up and there's decks that I like, but overall, this is kind of for me a low point in Modern. Scam is in our data, 21% of the meta, I saw a Watsi article where they were talking about, like, the winner's meta, and it was actually a little bit higher than that, like, 22 23%. That's a huge number for Modern. Like, you gotta remember, back when, like, Twin was getting banned for the sake of the diversity of the metagame, it was, like, 10%, 11%. Like, 21 22% is a big, big number. So, Scam is a dominant force. It's the S plus tier deck. And then it seems like the thing that competes with it are just these value pile decks. We already had the one ring value piles where you just play four or five colors and then all the best cards possible and trust that the one ring lets you evoke all your elementals and like do whatever you want because you're going to draw so many cards. And then they've added up a beanstalk on top of that which is another like absurd value engine that's showing up in more and more places. I've seen some people say that, and I don't know if I agree with this, but the up a beanstalk's actually more powerful than the one ring. This is the strongest modern card since, like, uh, Modern Horizons was printed or something. And uh, maybe that's actually true. So that's, like, the meta right now, right? It's scam versus these value pile decks. And, And I guess you have Cascade thrown in there as well, which is sometimes up a beanstalk cascade. People are cascading into up a beanstalk now rather than into rhinos or whatever. It's not great. It's not a great format. Like, I don't know. Like, what is Watsi thinking? What is, like... Ah, it's such a tough spot. Like, Pioneer's kind of boring to me right now, because it doesn't change enough, and it's the same decks. Not that it's broken, it's, like, diverse and healthy, but it's just <laughs> the decks at the top of the meta decks that I don't really enjoy playing against, like Nykthos and Rakdos. And then Modern's, like, sort of developing into the same position, where it's, like, scam versus value piles, and, like, ah, boy, what a... It, normally my technique with Magic is when one format's bad, I just play another format, but right now, all the Eternal formats I really love are kind of in this awkward place. yeah.
1: They're all the same because they're all being run by the latest slew of broken cards. And so I think there will always be a best deck, right? Yeah. Uh, so you, you can't avoid that. But is this the play pattern you want from your best deck? And no. I, I told you this story a while ago about like Marvel Snap and like Spider-Man is like a, a stacks card in, in, in Marvel Snap or was... And Spider Man is like the most popular character in all of Marvel, and they're like Stacks is fine, but we don't want the most popular card uh, in the format to be Stacks, and we don't want the most popular character to be that. So they they actually change the card altogether from like a Stacks piece into a different card altogether. I feel this is the problem with with scam, right? Like. The most powerful deck in modern should not empty your whole hand and make you play like empty from turn one. Like, is it balanced? Yeah, it's not, it's, it's actually not like incredibly broken, but it's incredibly unfun to play against, and that's not what you want the modern experience to be. Uh, yes. This would be like, what if eggs was the number one deck in the format? What was Lan- You know, what if lantern control is the number one deck in the format? You know, like, these decks are fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with them. You just don't want them to be the poster child of the format. Yeah. And Wizards squash those. I don't know why Scam is allowed to go free. Like, there, there's the conspiracy theory of they got to sell more Furies. Like, they don't want to ban Fury. Like, I won't you, it has to be Fury or Grief that gets hit, right? Like, Yeah, what else are you going to ban out of that deck?
0: yeah uh yeah you so, can't be in the undying evils or not dead after alls so that doesn't make any sense there's a million of them so it's gotta but be but if you ban fury can you leave solitude like
1: you gotta get rid of the whole cycle or something right so i don't know what uh <sighs> and up the beanstalk is a crazy thing right because up the Beanstalk makes your thought. elementals like just straight up free cards because you pitch a card and then you draw a card uh yeah. and we're yeah, slow then, enough that uh, this is fine and this is getting
0: oppressive as well once you get it outside the ovnot shells, right? So And then you end up with two up a bean and you're like comboing with your elementals almost. You're like chaining them together yeah. to like draw them all to it's like, oh, it's so br- it's so brutal. <sighs> what about this, Richard? This is something I had always throughout my my life playing Magic had been against, but now it's like popped back into my mind and I'm curious your thoughts. What about erratas? So my argument against (laughs) eroding cards had always been we need people to have the cards play as written to keep the game from being too confusing. But now we're in a world where You can't read the cards. There's cards coming in all these (laughs) products. There's secret layers that you don't know what they are anyway. Like, is that even a realistic argument anymore? Is there any way we're just like, okay, the evoke elementals, rather than banning them, they only trigger when cast. ETBs, if cast, they like do their thing. So if you reanimate it or blink it, it's not gonna get the trigger. Or is that just a horrible idea? Then we're falling down the arena rabbit hole of like changing iconic cards and like people getting mad and not getting their wild cards back. Is there any argument for trying erratas? In paper? So I I like the companion errata where
1: you errata the rules or like the actual mechanic and you're done with and you're not errata individual cards. I don't know how you could errata like you errata evoke or something to hit these elementals. You could errata up the beanstalk like rather than caring about the converted mana cost it cares about
0: Oh, the mana you work. spent well, yeah like, like you when, spent you cast, mana when you cast the spell, spell the
1: mana value of it on the stack is the mana you spent casting it versus the the thing because that that's the problem with off the beanstalk right they're like oh five manas balance but like you're not spending actually any mana for no. these cards right no uh like because imagine you you errata fury and then like it, it's still dominant you got to eradicate a second time Right, or yeah, you that's... burped it into the ground. No one plays it. Like, like imagine the arena rebalances. Right, like you're supposed to do this until it hits the sweet spot. And what are the odds you can hit it the first time? So, I think it's clear. like, do we need Fury? Why don't we just ban it? What what is the advantage of keeping this card around? Like, how can you make it good while not being (laughs) oppressive at the same time?
0: It it is hilarious to me that people are like, oh, Punishing Fire. that We got to have that ban because it keeps small creatures (laughs) out of the format. Umazawa's Jedi. No, no, no. We got to have that ban. It keeps small creatures out of the format. Like, Fury is the epitome of, like, wrecking small creature decks, right? Like, none of those cards are even close to where Fury is as far as just punishing you for playing small things. Well, Why red and six okay? showed us that this is bad, or like we we already had this, right? Red
1: and six pushed out its higher archetypes, but you could theoretically overwhelm a rem and red and six, right? Like you can go tokens, you can you know you can you can go wide and red and six and mm-hmm. take it down, and then you're just like nah, fury. <laughs> right? like, yeah, let's how do you, make it even worse. <laughs> how do so, you play any small creature decks like ever? Like fury definitely needs to go, even if scam wasn't the number one deck. Like, you don't want Omnath casting Fury on you. No. Uh, It pushes out entire archetypes. So, like, I think so
0: many new decks just happen overnight if you get rid of Fury. So give me your prediction for how this actually ends. I see a couple of potential pathways. One is uh, it stays the same and everyone's sad, but Watsy doesn't care because they're working on other things and changing boosters. Another is... They ban a bunch of stuff before Modern Horizons 3 comes out because they want Modern Horizons 3 to, uh, you know, get a chance to shine and sell well. Or they just try to power creep it in Modern Horizons 3 and somehow print more busted things. So when we're talking about the list of the most played cards a year from now, it's not Modern Horizons 2. It's all the new Modern Horizons 3 stuff that's even more busted than Fury and so forth. How does this where do you think this goes, Richard? What's the future of modern?
1: Power creep. Just power creep. <laughs> like we 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 didn't ban anything from Modern Horizons one when Modern Horizons two came out. Uh we we I, I don't think you're gonna need to ban Fury because whatever's coming down the pipe in Modern Horizons three will look disgusting. Like I don't, like think delighted halfling or whatever, right? You're like, oh that's the power creep we needed, right? Like one mana, one three mana dork <laughs> yeah. to keep you out of fury range. My, like, my birds of paradise get.
0: is a zero five now, yes.
1: It's a zero yes, 5 It has defenders, <laughs> so it's fair, okay? Like I I feel they're going to power creep it, like because <laughs> there it's not about modern, right? It's about also selling cards for commander. It's about selling cards for legacy. They they yeah. figured a way to get like legacy players, modern players, vintage players to open their wallets every set release. Uh, commander players especially, right? So I think they're just going to keep power creeping. I, I feel they 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 screwed up every single time. They're like we're going to power creep it by a little bit and they're like oh whoops we power creeped it by a lot. <laughs> like I feel like that's what happens like every set. Like I and I feel it's going to happen the same with Modern Horizons 3 because if they do it the other way around nothing sells and it's a flop product, right? So they're going yeah, they the to be on the side of going too strong and
0: either they're going to ban stuff but not really <laughs> either that or there's a huge BNR. Like I keep coming around to like the one ring like I, I keep thinking, oh, that's a card that there's no way they let that be as impactful as it is when Modern Horizons 3 comes out. They don't want that overshadowing the format or Fury or Bowmasters. So I think it's also possible they just do a huge BNR as we get closer to, uh, to Modern Horizons 3, like a rotation BNR. Once they're done selling those cards, like move on, like buy the, buy the new MH3 stuff, forget about the One Ring is the one ring still a problem like it's so like it is still a problem but the thing is like now there's also up a beanstalk so does banning one ring do anything or does that just lead to more up a beanstalk decks uh using up a beanstalk to be the one ring value engine like does it even matter anymore if you ban the one ring
1: there's too many problematic cards seth
0: (laughs) just like if we banned fury
1: today did modern actually get better like maybe but you still have the one ring. You still have bow (laughs) masters mowing down your dorks, right? You still have red and six running around. You still have all the other pitch elementals going rampant. Right. So you got to hit like entire swaths. You're like, okay, modern horizons two out. (laughs) Lord of the rings out. (laughs) Right. Like, I mean, I will say this uh, is just uh, what it is to play magic in
0: 2023. Like there's just too much to ban. Right. If, if this is gonna be the power level, at least free a bunch of legacy stuff into modern. Yeah, but like seriously, just pull out the stops. Wastelands, Russian ports, like Force of Will's. Like, if it's a legacy, any
1: happier Seth?
0: <laughs> no, probably not. But at least I can like make a video about wastelanding people. Like that'd be sweet. <laughs> Speaking of erratas, uh, the other topic we didn't really touch on is. Wizards changed a couple of cards on Arena this week. Orcish Bowmasters in the one ring. Curious your thoughts on these changes. So Orcish Bowmasters essentially lost its ETB trigger. So uh, it's just a two mana, one, one flash until your opponent draws an extra card. Then you get the same trigger as it had before. One ring to uh, tap it to draw cards. You now need to pay a mana, essentially, to add a bird encounter and start ticking it up. What do you think of these changes? Is this is this a good solution? Should they have just banned these cards rather than eroding them? Uh,
1: I mean, it's historic. <laughs> you can arena rebalance things. Why not? <laughs> right? Like that's the whole <laughs> mo of the format.
0: That's true. Although the counter argument is they, like they're trying not to give us our wild cards back, so they just they banned Orcish Bowmasters by making unplayable. But this way, they don't have to give us our wild cards back. Is uh is the thing a player might say
1: maybe but i mean like if you're excited to play the one ring like don't you want it to be on arena no matter how bad it is like so i i don't know like they just rebalance everything on arena so this makes sense and there's no i don't know like i feel there's less tension to keep like historic cards as they are in paper because all the alchemy cards are like running around in there right yeah. So I think for standard it might matter more, but I don't know. I think this is fine, and I think.
0: What do you think of actual the changes? Are fixed?
1: I don't know. Are they? I mean, playable Bowmasters is out, right? Bowmasters, I
0: think is just like straight up done. Like, could you like, think about it. If it was in modern with this text, it wouldn't be played at all. Right. There's just no, maybe I think best case for Bowmasters is maybe it could be a sideboard card for specific matchups where like, if you're up against the cantrip deck or whatever, you could bring it in. But I think it's just, I'm surprised how many people still put it in their decks. A lot of people still just jam it out arena and I have not seen it look good once. I I don't think I've seen it trigger once, and I've seen many, many people cast it. The one ring though. I'm
1: surprised they didn't buff it.
0: Like by Oh nerf and buff. So so so
1: when it happens, a more powerful effect happens. Like you amass two ping two or something and like this is the anti card draw card, right? Like the the mass card draw card or something.
0: Or if it was like a 2-2 maybe instead of a 1-1. One, one, like a 2-2 flash. At least then maybe you can ambush something. So I'm kind of surprised they went as hard on Bill Masters as they did. What about One Ring? Like One Ring is still pretty good, right? No? It still seems playable, but not as good as before. One mana
1: is all. It means something, right? But you still it get does. your protection on the way down. And you still get that unstoppable late game if unchecked. You're just taxed to mana. So I think it's it a meaningful nerf. It is. is still it, played? it
0: it uh, it still sees some play. Not nearly as I see way more bowmasters in one rings now on historic. I've been playing a lot, so I don't understand because I think the one ring got like the least impactful of the two uh nerfs here the one ring like it definitely slows it down a lot you can't play it on turn four immediately start drawing cards so it really throws off the math either you're waiting till turn five and activating it and that one mana every turn to add a burn encounter and draw a card that makes it a lot less valuable because we talked about before how the one ring it's four mana and over the course of like three turns you draw six now it's like Seven mana to draw six over the course of those three turns, and it's happening a turn slower because you can't just play it on turn four. So it's much less good. I think it's 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 much narrower than it was before, but it definitely is not as bad as Orkish Bowmasters. Orkish Bowmasters definitely got just absolutely wrecked by the the changes. So we don't want to see this in paper. Then is that the is that the bottom line? Because this brings us back around to the eroding Fury or something like <laughs> uh, seeing it in practice. Ah, uh, people would be mad, right? Like, would you it mean so iconic that you're sad these cards will go
1: away now? Like for the <laughs> the short four month duration, we've come to accept bowmasters in the one ring, and we'd be sad forget to to get them nerfed. Like, I think the one ring change is fair, and I think you would no yeah. longer play it in modern, most likely.
0: Uh, that's probably bowmasters. true.
1: Is that fine? I thought you you wanted them banned, so what if we just eroded <laughs> them into unplayable cards and then leave them there.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can try I mean- to against
1: the odds it up, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like- <laughs>
0: Well, that's a tough sell. How do you sell uh, the the one ring against odds after it being like the best card in uh, in Magic? I wish they'd figure out a way how to refund people. Like that would be uh, that would solve most of these issues because I think that's a legitimate gripe. Like uh, it's some way to like give people back something for their their one rings or bow masters that lose a ton of playability on arena in specific. In paper, I guess it doesn't really matter. Like if you spent thirty bucks on bow masters and it became the arena version, or it got banned, the end result's basically the same. Like, you, you kind of got wrecked either way, because it's so... I guess, like, the optimal version is, like, you rebalance it enough that it's still playable and valuable, but not as broken. But I don't know if that's a actual realistic needle to thread most of the time. They
1: should just refund people. They should just give out free wildcards. Like, every game does this. As the game ages, and you your your player base stagnates, or you lose players... They just keep throwing free stuff at you, right? <laughs> they're like, "You, oh, you haven't played Arena in, like, six months. Come back. I gave you a free Lord of the Rings set with the one ring, <laughs> right? Like,
0: Seriously. Like, they're just
1: like, oh, it's our fifth anniversary. It's our 30th anniversary. Have a booster box on us. Like, it, it, <laughs> It's like, weird Damn. that they don't do this stuff to get players back, and they just accept this, like, dwindling player base as it goes on. Like,
0: every other game is just throwing everything at you to get you it's- to come back. It's so funny. I logged into Hearthstone for the first time in like a year. It's like, here's 50 booster packs. We haven't seen you in a while. And then Watsy, it's like, here's 2,000 XP. Like, please sign up for <laughs> for our rewards track, and you can take advantage of our generous gift of 2,000 XP. <laughs> oh, Watsy. Oh, any any other thoughts about it? Uh, oh, one other thing I didn't want to mention. So there was a question about uh to Mark Rosewater about aftermath. With someone asking, how likely are we to see another epilogue set like Aftermath? And uh, Mark's response was, pretty unlikely. Is there a lesson to learn from Aftermath? Aftermath, for those who are not remembering, that was the, like, mini set with 50 cards and five card packs, and it was price kind of the same, and people didn't like that because you're paying the same for five cards in your pack. What's the lesson of Aftermath? Is it we shouldn't do epilogue sets, or is it... Five card packs is bad or fifty card sets is bad. What's the, the big takeaway from that set? Pretty, I, don't know. I-, I felt like weird <sighs> DLC that like sucked. <laughs> like
1: just, just include it with the main set. I think it's too small. Like I, I don't yeah. know how they came away from Dragon's Maze. They're like, oh okay, uh you know, small sets suck, like the third set is bad. We'll just come up with this thing that's like a third the size and the boosters are like five cards or whatever. Like that's weird. I- I'm glad they tried it, but and then, you know, figure it out. But, like, not shocking. Like, the most terrible selling product of all time. They're not going to make another
0: one, so. It's, uh, the, thi- uh, the disappointing part for me is I kind of like the idea of having, like, the mini set in between releases to keep things fresh and standard or whatever. So, I hope, like... I hope the takeaway isn't don't experiment. To me, I think the big like obvious criticism was there was too much redundancy in opening packs and the price was uh, off putting to people, even though you can use the same argument or oh, you're getting a bunch of rares in your pack. So actually it's more valuable than a normal pack. But the just the like the shock of my five card pack costs the same as my 15 card pack was too much for people to get over. I wish they would experiment with like like living card game style releases like what if instead of like trying to sell five card booster packs what if you just like did the did the aftermath and we're like here pay 100 bucks and you get a one copy of each card in the set or something like maybe there's not for every set i know they're not going to move away from the booster model because it's way too valuable for them they make way too much money selling boosters but couldn't you do it with like a mini set like that some sort of like hey just like the secret layer drop legal and standard give us 100 bucks we'll give you these cards go to town it'll shake up the format
1: so that, that would be commander precons. Right? Once upon a time when we had commander sets, <laughs> uh <laughs> you, you would get the entirety of the set by buying four precons. Uh but even then, that's not cool enough because with Doctor Who, we're like, oh, we gotta add booster packs for booster <laughs> fund, right? And thank goodness they didn't put any like unique cards in there. But you can you can see them like desperately trying to get booster packs into everything. So I highly doubt we will ever see like. Basically, like historic anthologies or something like that, right? Where you're like, here, here is like ten cards for standard, and you can just buy them straight up from our shop, and then no, no variants. Like, and I, and I think if they charged a price, they thought was appropriate for it everyone would be unhappy anyway so i don't see (laughs) how we would win with this right because you're like oh it's it's like oh it's it'll be a cheap product it'll be like the the price of a booster pack right because there's only 15 pieces of cardboard right but like wizards will be like here's 10 cards hundred dollars are you happy (laughs) so i don't know
0: I mean, I guess, that's, I guess that's true. We saw that with, like, <laughs> Wild Cards on Arena, where, like, 30th just tell us Wild Cards, just sell us Wild Cards, and then they do it, and the price is so high that everyone's like, no, come on, Wadsies, they 30th Anniversary, so... 30th
1: Anniversary is like, look, it's not even legally playable anywhere. Just print yeah. us the cards, <laughs> let, give them to us for cheap to celebrate 30th Anniversary. We're just like, don't worry, we got you. $1,000,
0: right? <laughs> oh, all right. Anyway, I think... <laughs> I think those are all of our big topics for today. Do we have some fish mail? We actually, for the first time ever, actually have a couple minutes to answer a fish mail or two. All
1: right. Uh, If you have questions, send them to at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG And we'll get to your questions on air. First question, NickNax96. Do you think modern is a place where you can have an interesting Grand Prix slash Pro Tour level event of Team Unified Modern? Ooh, Ooh, we haven't had one of these in a while so the exact rules of team unified modern were you couldn't have cards overlap between decks and you'd have three decks on a team
0: i believe so i think you'd only have a play set of a card between the team maybe it was you can overlap at all i don't i don't know if could you each play one one ring or like and have that be your copies of the one ring or like you can only have a card in each deck i don't actually remember the i'm sure one of those rules and then the matches where you had to
1: win two or three matches uh, so it was sometimes funny to watch people play matches that didn't matter. But <laughs> what do you think about <laughs> Team Unified Modern? What like why why not have these events? I thought they were pretty fun when they existed.
0: They were fun. It is cool to see like the team interactions and like you get more of the, the human aspect of magic compared to 1v1 where it's just like two players playing a game, you got people like coaching and like chiming in, or it gets down to the last match what, and everyone's gathered around that moment? player. Was that bonfire. So that was Uh, that was a team event but it wasn't unified modern that was like Uh. one person was playing standard one was playing modern one was playing block i think so you're each playing a different format but it was a team event and that led to like a great moment i think it could be neat i wonder if magic is in a place where it can support that though i'm actually curious like Would people want to see that? Like, would that appeal to people? Or is it too hard because you need to have three friends to join the event? Like, is it better than a 1v1 match where you can just like, I want to play modern this weekend, so I'm going to go to this tournament and I can play and not need to find three friends to join your team? I think as a
1: spectator, I want team events back. It doesn't yeah. have to be even unified modern, but just like the, the format, like just watching people interact and having a team and cheering on, like it just makes for an interesting moment. Yeah. Uh, I guess you could solve like the actual logistical problems if you show up. And you don't have a team, you get paired with two randos
0: and hope they're good. (laughs) Yeah, like a like it yeah, like magic on how in the command zone they got the the employee running around with the sign, like just too bad to get teams for for your How
1: good are you at Magic? What's your ELO? (laughs) You need to put a team together.
0: I don't know about unified modern. I think I would prefer different formats. I think my favorite team events are the ones where SCG used to do a lot of these. You got one person in the legacy seat, one person in the modern seat, one person in the standard or pioneer seat. Yeah. And you, then you can have like specialists for each format. And that's like part of the, uh, the fun of it is like, Oh, I'm the legacy specialist. Maybe I suck at everything else, but I'm really good at legacy. So I'll be in the legacy seat. So I think it added like an interesting twist. So I would like to see more of those. I think that would be super fun to see those style of team events come back. I don't I don't know about unified modern like unified modern has the problem is you have this extra layer of complexity like we didn't even know the exact rules of unified modern yeah. so you have this extra layer that might be too much for people but team events i would love to see come back and do more often
1: i would love team events with like injuries somehow because like, you know you know what my favorite thing <laughs> you know when they have to pull like sure. the fourth string goalie <laughs> Hockey, they're like, This this is like the coach, and he's suiting up because uh, number one string was out today, number two and three got injured, and then number four is coming in.
0: So, I want to see like the
1: guy who's never played legacy. You have to sit it, you're like, Okay, we're gonna play legacy now. Um, okay, hold on.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you end up with the like the fullback who played quarterback (laughs) in high school being the quarterback because everyone else is injured, and those are some of the most fun to watch, right? Because you just don't know what's gonna happen. It's just, oh, I love to watch the (laughs) random person that doesn't kick normally kick yeah. under pressure oh that's so good and then you're just they're
1: just like forget it guys you're going for two every
0: single time <laughs> yeah in football you actually have injuries how do you get like what do you get carpal tunnel like cut, paper cuts like how do you if, <laughs> if you get, a, game, if you get, get a warning in magic. You, you, you get you get yeeted out <laughs> if you get a warning a sub has to come in
1: you're yes. out for the next game it's like a okay. one game it's like a penalty you one game out and you get a warning (laughs) that could be that could be sweet actually it's a yellow card and if you get two (laughs) warnings you're out (laughs) altogether that'd be that'd be good yeah let's let's Um, do it 11 vicious with troll and toad backing on a magic do you think there's a possibility of a domino effect and other stores follow suit if so what happens to the whole uh, way of buying singles
0: (sighs) So, I don't think there's a domino effect because of Troll and Toad. I'm kind of in the camp that Troll and Toad wasn't especially relevant in the last few years as far as magic vendors. So, I don't think Troll and Toad, in specific, going out of business, has a meaningful impact on anything else. I will say, on the other hand, some of the points that Troll and Toad made are a concern to other vendors too. It's something we've heard from LGSs and other vendors, like how do we manage to put all these card styles on our website? Why is there so many like cards being printed these days? Some of those ain't, why is Wizards dumping product directly on Amazon for lower than my cost? those concerns that they expressed are concerns that apply to to many many vendors that would be the thing i'd be worried about it's not that oh troll and toad went down so now the rest of these stores are going to go down it's that some of the reasons that troll and toad stopped selling magic are things that are hurting a lot of different vendors in local game stores and if it just keeps going down that path maybe you're doing a at a point where other vendors start dropping out. What does it mean for buying singles? I don't know, I guess eBay, TCG player, like <laughs> maybe maybe that's where we end up. Is that that's where you get your singles from? Or maybe Wizard's dream might be that no one buys singles and just cracks packs anyway, right? These new play booster packs. You don't buy singles anymore. You crack your play boosters and try to get something sweet in the wild cards a lot.
1: So I, I don't think there's a domino effect, but I think it is significant because it's a very upfront way of seeing, like, what's happening to LGSs, right? If if these, like, OG vendors that have been going on since the beginning of time, right? So, like, Channel Fireball, now Troll and Toad, have to get out of the magic game? Like, what does that indicate for all the other LGSs, like the, the, yeah. the small mom-and-pop stores? They go out of business every day, just no one cares about, like, no one knows, right? They're too small for us to, to recognize, so I think it's important because this kind of highlights the problem. Everything Wizard said about set boosters versus uh, draft boosters happens with the rest of the Magic Catalog, right? You need to stock six Elish Norns, right? How do you know which one is the right Elish Norn to stock? And if you stock the wrong one, you don't have money to buy the next product. You can't make any more money. And you have dead inventory. And then, it, oh, wait. Amazon is fire sailing boxes, so your LH Nord just halved in prices uh, over overnight. So, all these problems happen, and it's good that Wizards is trying to address the booster box problem of set versus draft. But all the LGSs have this problem with singles. They, you know, imagine you you were holding foil Tarmogoyfs or whatever as your high end cards uh, for for your modern players, and then Tarmogoyf is no longer playable. You're just holding. Pharmagogues now, and they've decreased in price. You can imagine how much money you lost. You can imagine you had to stock dual lands during the height of COVID because you're an LGS and people expect you to have these cards, and now they're worth a lot less because economy stuff, right? So it's tough to be an LGS, and I think Troll and Toad just signifies what's happening to the other LGSs. I don't think it's a domino effect, but it's just a more visual way of seeing but like if you go to reddit you see like lgs like mom and pop stores closing like every day all the time yeah right so troll and toad hopefully shed some light on it and i don't know what people will do exactly because we still go to amazon and buy our boxes <laughs> you know we, we you know like we probably still go to star city games and card kingdoms to buy our singles because like you can't buy them anywhere right like even doctor who surge Falls, or whatever they're not even available on tcg player right like how could you expect your mom and pop store to to have them there's, there's just too much product
0: right yeah now, they can so. yeah yeah huh definitely it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out but there certainly are concerns there for sure but anyway i think that brings us to the end of our fish mail richard how do people send in questions for uh, next week's guest
1: Alright, if you have questions, send them to at Goldfish, uh with the hashtag MTGFishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air.
0: And I believe that brings us to the end of episode 455 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So Richard, thanks for hanging out. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we'll be back next week to talk about whatever goes on in the world of magic. So until then, have a lovely week everyone, and this is a crew signing out.